NWA star Joseph Hudson passes away. Joseph Hudson was known to fans as both Josephus and the question mark. NWA president Billy Corrigan has announced the unfortunate passing on his Instagram page. Hudson is best known for his run shortly after Corrigan acquired NWA in 2017. He feuded with the NWA heavyweight champion on numerous occasions, proving himself to be a tough matchup. Before NWA shut down production due to the pandemic, he had changed his persona to the question mark, aligning himself with Aaron Stevens, formerly known as Damian Sandow. The Daily DDT family and myself send prayers to Hudson's family, friends, and all who are affected by his passing. Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. EC3 signs with Ring of Honor, The Rock, to receive the HCA Trailblazer Award, and I go through the career of the big show and find out what Tuesday's signing means for AEW and WWE. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whatever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night, well, yesterday for that matter, was NXT UK. I'm on the East Coast of America, so not last night. It was 3 in the afternoon uh, Eastern time, and it was NXT UK and a great episode at that. But before we get into that, let's check out our news. EC3 officially signs with Ring of Honor after appearing on Ring of Honor unannounced to confront Jay Briscoe. In a statement, Ring of Honor wrote, EC3 seized control of his narrative during his time as a free agent. A darker, more intense, more dangerous EC3 showed up in Ring of Honor, declaring that he was on a quest to see if honor is real. Now that EC3 is making ROH his home, he'll have an ample amount of time to find out. Ring of Honor fans like myself have been waiting for the EC3 Jay Briscoe match for quite some time now uh, prior to him signing uh, recently. Uh, he was supposed to be on a card of final battle between himself and Jay Briscoe. That match never ended up happening. I think there were some COVID uh, implications involved with EC3, but uh, hopefully we'll get to see that soon, given that match was supposed to be pretty big. The Rock to receive HCA Trailblazer Award, soon to be honored by Hollywood Critics Association receiving the HCA Trailblazer Award next month. The Trailblazer Award was created to highlight and celebrate actors and filmmakers who not only speak out about important topics, but are advocates for change. Dwayne Johnson started his illustrious career with just $7 to his name and ambition to be among the best in the world of sports and entertainment. The Rock said, This one is very special to me, and I'm deeply honored and even more so Deeply grateful to receive this from the Hollywood Critics Association. In a career, you hope to make a little impact and do some good for people with what you're lucky to have. So The Rock being granted with that award. And good for The Rock, obviously, has done a plenty much more outside of his uh, professional wrestling career uh, in Hollywood and such. And now has that young rock show on NBC. And I always find it funny. I even said before... The Young Rock show came out. If The Rock ran for president, I don't think there would be one person that would vote against The Rock. He, Democrats would love him. Republicans would love him. Anybody. Because it's The Rock. You know, he's, he, he breaks all boundaries, if you will. So I think The Rock uh, would, um, would, would fare well in a presidential election. Possibly. Possibly. One day if we ever see that, I think that would be 
pretty crazy. But enough about The Rock. Let's get into yesterday's NXT UK in a fantastic episode at that. Uh, they started off the night very strong. Zaya Brookside versus Nina Samuels. The loser becomes the winner's personal assistant for a month. Uh, I, I was a little curious that this was going to be somewhat similar to what we saw at AEW, but I think there's too much of a disconnect there for the ideas to be being pulled as, as hard. But um, the, sort of the same type of idea, but uh, not exactly. I like the whole gimmick with the bags with Nina Samuels, but you can't keep them backstage. You can't keep those bags backstage. They're that essential to you. you Got to bring them wherever you are. I always think that's funny with Nina Samuels. Uh, action falls outside, and uh, the two barely make it back into the ring before the 10 count. Uh, Samuels calls for her assistant, Henry, to give her a loaded handbag that we've seen her use before. Uh, the assistant doesn't want to give the handbag to Samuels. Uh, Samuels ends up firing the um, assistant, Henry. Uh, Samuels enters the ring with the bag, and that bag is kicked out of her hands, and she is pinned with a sunset roll-up. Uh, Samuels is now Brookside's personal assistant. Uh, good match. Uh, I What's it called? I, I like the near countouts i like the the flow of the match as well and i thought it told a great story very early on in the match as well uh with uh, nini samuels and uh, especially with that bag trying to get that loaded bag uh, i thought it told a good story we saw later on in the night uh, nina samuels carrying around zaya brookside's bags and uh samuels just having a really tough time with it you know her heels falling off the bags falling over all the all the work so i thought they did a great job there Next match, and this is uh, my second favorite match of the night, Tyler Bate versus Bailey Matthews. And Bailey Matthews making his NXT UK debut. Bailey Matthews, also the son of NXT general manager William Regal. So I thought that that was fantastic. I didn't know until after the match that he was his son. So all my notes for this match were just based off of straight watching him for the first time and not having any impression. So... Uh, Matthews was in control early on with a great mat wrestling presence. He really was uh, locking in these arm holds and just joint manipulation stuff. Uh, great back and forth uh, for a match I honestly expected to be a squash because I had no idea who Bailey Matthews was. And after a valiant off uh, offensive effort from Matthews, Bate connects with the Tyler Driver and wins. Uh, the, two, the two shake hands after the match. But honestly, in my opinion, I think Matthews impressed me more here than Bate. We already seen what Bate could do, but I was really curious on what Matthews could do, especially seeing how long this match was going. And for Matthews to put up as well of a match as he did, I was extremely impressed. And now, now learning that he is the son of William Regal, this all wraps together in a nice big bow for me. And Bailey Matthews might be my new favorite guy on NXT UK, to be honest with you, because not only did he impress me without knowing who he was, but now he impressed me even more, given the fact that he's living up to the legacy of his father. So I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Good match. Tyler Bray did get the win, but honestly, in my heart, Bailey Matthews did pick up an even bigger win uh, for how well he performed. Next match, Lana Austin versus Aoife Valkyrie. Uh, Valkyrie had one or two pretty good vignettes in these past few weeks. Uh, her uh, with the big shadows of the wings being projected onto a big wall while she's standing inside a wrestling ring. I thought that was very, very good. And uh, these vignettes were very, very strong for her as well. Uh, Valkyrie having a, a few lack of confidence moments, uh, almost causing her to get pinned, which was sort of the idea of her coming into this match, is her sort of having this lack of confidence. Valkyrie pinned. Picks up the victory, battling through her 
internal emotions, uh, leaving those in the dust as she was able to uh, persevere, if you will. Moving on to the main event, once again, NXT UK, only a one-hour show, and honestly, they pack a lot into a one-hour show. I would like I like to watch one-hour wrestling sometimes because they really they grab you for that one hour, and then they let you go. Raw, they grab you for maybe 30 minutes, and then you sort of like, now I'm the one holding on, trying to get through. So the three hours is a little too much, maybe one hour for some people is a little too short. Two hours is that perfect medium, and that's why a lot of shows are two hours. Pretty Deadly versus Gallus. For the NXT UK Tag Team Championships, Gallus is the champion coming into this match. And Gallus using their strength to their advantage early on. Uh, pretty deadly start to bend the rules throughout the match to take control. Mark Coffey in for Gallus on a hot tag dominating multiple pin attempts from Coffey but are unsuccessful. Wolfgang of Gallus moonsault pin is broken up. And a crazy kickouts from Halley of Pretty Deadly throughout this match. She did, he did a really good job of lifting up that shoulder right at that last possible moment. And there was a couple times throughout this match where I was like, oh, this has to be over, has to be over. And it wasn't. So pretty good kickouts throughout. Uh, DDT onto the NXT UK Tag Team Titles. Uh, by Pretty Deadly, uh, Stunning Coffee, and Spilt Milk, which is the Pretty Deadly uh, Tag Team Finisher, and Pretty Deadly are the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions. I've been pretty high on Pretty Deadly, funny enough, for quite some time now, uh, ever since they made their appearance in NXT UK, and what I think that they would become NXT UK ta Tag Team Champions when I first saw them, uh, no, I didn't think it was going to happen right away. But uh, for them to get this pickup of victory over Gallus, I thought it was very, very good. And uh, a fantastic show from NXT UK. For it being one hour, I really thought they packed in a lot of stuff. I really was happy with the end results of all these matches. I was really impressed by Bailey Matthews, and I was impressed by Pretty Deadly as well on how well they were able to uh, not only beat Gallus, but beat them in a fashion where it made me believe a couple times throughout the match that uh, I really felt that, oh, that match has to be over, has to be over, has to be over, and it wasn't. So, good on them, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I know uh, not everyone's a cup of tea is NXT UK, but next week is going to be a match you're going to want to watch. The NXT UK Women's Champion, Kaylee Ray versus Women's Legend, uh, Miko Satomura. Going to be an absolutely fantastic match, and a match that I cannot wait to watch. That's going to come Next week on NXT UK, you can catch it on the WWE Network uh, at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, on the network. So, you know, I say go for it. And uh, you know, if, if, if you have nothing else to do on a Thursday at 3, I say really watch that match. It's going to be some top-notch stuff. We're going to head into the break, but after that, stick around. We're going to be talking about the big show, his signing with AEW, and what does it mean not only for AEW, but the WWE. Stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on February 26, 1997, the British Bulldog defeated Owen Hart to become the first ever WWF European Champion on Raw taping in Berlin, Germany. The title has been abandoned since then. Uh, it was abandoned at one point in April of 1999 when Shane McMahon retired as the undefeated champion and then retired for good in 2002 when it was unified with the Intercontinental Championship. 27 men held the title. The Bulldogs' inaugural reign is by far the longest in the title's history at 206 days. Now when we hear about the European Championship, we hear 
it, along with the string of words with our uh, truths when every time he talks about the 24-7, 7-11, I-95 South European Television Championship. So it's in there, but uh, may maybe it still exists to this day in that in the 24-7 title, if you will, uh, if, you're, if you're willing to accept that. Uh, moving on, big news coming out Tuesday, which was the big show signing with AEW. Not a lot of people, no one expected it, not a lot, but no one expected it because, you know, you think about the big show, honestly, in my opinion, I thought I, I, I thought that he would be underneath the Legends contract with the WWE just because of how much he's done and all the TV deals that he's doing and, you know, the big show show on Netflix. You would have expected him to be under some type of long-term deal with the WWE. But we're going to take a quick look back into the Big Show's career and where it all started. So it all started for him in WCW. 1995, uh, Paul White signed with WCW, first appearing at Slamboree and was billed as the son of Andre the Giant. That was later dropped. Don't worry about it. And a lot of people were actually upset about him being booked that way, and even the Big Show himself being uh, upset about it because a lot of people were coming up to him because of how many people admired uh, what his kayfabe father was, uh, Andre the Giant. He went under the name The Giant as a member of Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom stable. Uh, most of his time in WCW was with the NWO, feuding with the Wolfpack and Kevin Nash. Uh, the Giant would go on and leave WCW after his contract expired, and made his WWF debut at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view by ripping through the ring in the main event, which was a steel cage match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mr. McMahon. Uh, he would then go under the name The Big Show. The Big Show would have his first WWF title match versus The Undertaker, which he lost, but then would be taken underneath the wing of The Undertaker, uh, for both not only in front of the camera but also behind the scenes. Uh, this was talked about in the Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull session with The Big Show and how The Undertaker took The Big Show underneath his wing and honestly taught him all the ropes of what it means to be uh, in the WWF and uh, be, uh, they didn't call him superstars then, but be a, a true big giant professional wrestler. You know, if you're going to learn from anybody, you learn from The Undertaker. That's a pretty good guy to learn from. And that ended up working out as The Big Show would go on and win his first WWF championship in Survivor Series 1999. Uh, the Big Show, uh, to go through his whole career, I think it's better off just to talk about some of the titles that he won. The Big Show went on to have a fantastic career in the WWE. He held the WWF slash WWE championship twice. The WWE's World Heavyweight Championship twice and the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, which I remember him holding and the belt honestly looking so small on him on his shoulder. I remember that very vividly. Uh, White has also found success in the tag team divisions being an 11-time, you heard that right, an 11-time World Tag Team Champion holding the WWF World, WWE, and WCW World Tag Team champion multiple times with various different tag team partners remember he had some with the miz and with jericho and uh, undertaker he won some and uh, you could go through names and names and lists and lists and he, he, odds are if you name somebody the big show probably tagged with them and uh had a had a title run with them that those are the odds having also won uh the intercontinental united states and hardcore championships in his time with the WWE. Uh, he is the 24th Triple Crown winner and the 12th Grand Slam winner in WWE history. 
Uh, saying that the Big Show is a legend, I think, is an understatement. Just look at all the accolades that he's he's put up. And uh, the last time he appeared on WWE TV was Legends Night, funny enough, on Raw of this year. That was the same episode where Goldberg confronted Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, saying that he wanted a match, and the Big Show obviously was there, Randy Orton giving him the business. And we saw a lot of Big Show prior to Legends Night as well, had a little run with Randy Orton. His last match was against Randy Orton. Uh, That was his last match in the WWE. And uh, not to mention that he uh, sort of main-evented WrestleMania 36 against Drew McIntyre, funny enough. After the match against Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre had, he had another match that was not on the pay-per-view, but was on the uh, WrestleMania, technically was on WrestleMania. They just showed it during Raw. Very weird, obviously, but uh, technically he was the last match of... WrestleMania, so he main evented WrestleMania 36. I like to have a good joke about that. And obviously the big joke throughout his WWE, WWF time was the amount of heel turns that he had. It was You couldn't even tell if he was a heel or a face, heel or a face. It just left and right, heel turn after heel turn, face turn after face turn, especially during his time with the Authority era and then in the early 2000s and uh, in even the early 2000s, no matter what era, I could I could name any era and Big Show was turning healer face healer face. The only time really it wasn't as prevalent was when he was not with the WWE. You know, for a very small amount of time in the late 2000s, where uh, he returned then in 2010. So you know, it, it does the only time when he was not wrestling with the WWE, he wasn't turning face or heel, which is a uh, very very odd. But for the Big Show to sign with AEW, let's first talk about what it means for the Big Show first. What does this mean for Paul White himself? I think that's the, what we should start calling him now, given that that's his not only real name, but now his also ring name with All Elite Wrestling. So what does this mean for Paul White? Well, according to his contract and all the reports that are being flown out of this momentous moment in professional wrestling history, uh, he's going to get back into the game. He's going to be uh, in ring. They talked about him uh, actually wrestling. He's only 49 years old and Sting could do it. So can the Big Show, right? Uh, obviously, different factors there, but uh, the Big Show's supposed to be getting back in ring. Maybe we see him and Shaq do something, uh, something that WWE failed on, right? And then uh, also he's going to be on commentary for AEW's new show, AEW Dark Evolution. And, oh, excuse me, Elevation. I got to make sure I get this right here, AEW Dark Elevation. And this is huge for the big show himself because he's getting himself back out there into the stratosphere of professional wrestling as someone that's going to be pretty much a full-timer in a sense of he's going to be on commentary every week and Obviously, not going to be in ring every week, but there's always a chance, and we sort of recognize that he's going to be on TV all the time. The, the Elevation show is going to be on YouTube, but you get the idea. We're going to see him a lot more often than we saw him with the WWE. We saw him on Legends Night, and then the last time we saw him before that, they were doing storyline work with Randy Orton as he's bringing back his Legend Killer gimmick, but he wasn't in ring as much. And last year, in 2020, he only worked six matches, so... Uh, for him to finally get back into action, expect around 6 to 12 a year, probably. Maybe see him once a month. Maybe Obviously, probably a little less than that. But now you're going to see him on TV all the time. That's great for uh, Paul White, especially if that's what he wants to do. Be back in the eye of the professional wrestling fan. And maybe not be in the eye of the Netflix fan. You know, maybe there's a give and take there. So maybe he's going for a different trajectory in life. And he's seeing it here with All Elite Wrestling. 
What does Tuesday's signing mean for All Elite Wrestling? Well, they just stole a legend from the WWE. First time in a long time, and uh, this legend obviously still can compete in the ring. It's not like they're signing Jake the State Roberts or something like that. But when was the last time All Elite Wrestling took an in-ring competitor, uh, someone that has worked recent matches, the main event of WrestleMania, <laughs> jokingly, uh, when was the last time they, they've signed someone like that? I really scratch my head and think, when was the last time they made a huge signing like that? Obviously, in the beginning, you know, they got everybody they could have wanted off of that. I guess uh, Rusev was the last big guy that they got off uh, from the WWE. And which makes sense, and we could see a couple names soon. Maybe at a Revolution, AEW Revolution, the pay per view coming up, we could see another big name as well. There's been a couple floating around with Zelina Vega, possibly, or something along those lines. But uh, besides Miro, before that, it was also pretty sparingly as well. You know, we could also talk about Brody Lee, but but now we're getting into around this time last year. So it's been that long since they have a huge, huge signing in that sense. So, uh, huge for AEW. They get a really, really big name and a name that all professional wrestling fans recognize, both hardcore and casual. You know, you look at the Big Show, a lot of people remember the size of the Big Show, who he was, his theme song, all of it. So, the Big Show, a really big name in professional wrestling. What does Tuesday signing mean for the WWE? Might be a little bit of an odd question to ask, but I think it has to be asked because. What does it mean for the company that just lost a legend? Well, it doesn't look good, one, to see a big name find their way to a different brand, smiling, happy, you know, and there hasn't been a lot of uh, talk from Paul White himself, you know, we'll probably find a Talk is Jericho podcast where Paul White will actually talk about uh, what's going on and his emotions and his feelings, but what this means for the WWE is it's not going to be the end of the world. I don't think that this is a too much of an impact on the WWE as it stands right now, only because they weren't going to use him as much of an in-ring person anymore, and I I don't think they had any plans of putting it on, on commentary either, and anything around the lines that he's going to be doing in AEW. So uh, the WWE, they don't need to re-sign him. There's really no need to. Just It's not a good look to have another face go over to another place. A lot of people wonder why the WWE offer expansious amount of money to people to not sign with different brands because of moments like this because of the moment saying oh he, he finally got off the wwe ship you know you know the, the paul white i think the one of the main issues was money in this situation main maybe because vince had no more ideas for him and i couldn't blame him. you know big show had a great run in the wwe and he wasn't really gonna have a lot more big matches left in him so I don't think he's going to have a lot more big matches left in him in AEW. We're going to see him in ring and you're going to see him do some stuff. And when he is in ring, it's going to be a huge moment. But these aren't going to be career-defining or life-defining matches for a lot of us. So uh, if it was John Cena, if this was John Cena, if this was The Rock, if this is The Undertaker, or if it's anyone that's currently wrestling in the WWE's main roster right now, it would have been a really a lot more bigger of an issue than it is being the big show. They didn't have no more plans for him, so I kind of get it. But 
I think it's a win-win-lose in a lose sense in the WWE's face just because the name value of the Big Show is so big and everybody recognizes that name, everybody recognizes that face, especially with all he does outside of the WWE as well, well, outside of professional wrestling, as he did. So, uh, really, really, really big moment for not only professional wrestling but for AEW and Paul White himself for him to get back into what he loves doing, and uh, hopefully we'll see how good the commentary work is with him on uh, Monday nights. I believe it's supposed to be a Monday show, AW Elevation. Uh, so we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see, and I'm excited. And I'll, I'll, I won't be tuning in if it's on the same time as Monday Night Raw, but since it's on YouTube, I will, of course, have to watch uh, the replay of it because I want to hear Big Show on commentary. I think that will be a huge moment for him. And also, Tony Schiavone on play-by-play, I think he should be doing that a little bit more often. Same thing with Jim Ross. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Excalibur, to be honest with you. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about tonight's SmackDown. Sure, should be fun. And also, as I promised to you on uh, two days ago's episode, uh, I promised you that we're going to be talking about uh, the 18 members of this year's WWE Performance Center recruiting class. And I'm going to go through all 18. I'm going to give you a brief summary of what they've done outside of the WWE. They haven't done anything in WWE yet, but what they've done in their previous career in professional wrestling and uh, what they're going to try and build towards in the WWE. You know, we're going to see some big things, going to see some some guys, you know, that have been in professional wrestling for years, some guys that are just making their start in this recruiting class. So it definitely should be fun. But that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.